I'll tell you something I love about being in France, in addition to some seriously delicious butter, and that is the wide selection of wines I can find in France for low prices. It can be much more difficult to source those same bottles back in the States, and that's why I love to buy wines out of France with Ideal Wine. I have bottles shipped to me, hassle-free. It's easy. Ideal Wine has a new auction every week and is a great source for iconic names like Ouette, Louis Roeder, and Domaine Lefleve, as well as rising stars like Arnaud Lachaud, Gonon, and Tissot. Find the wines you'd rather be drinking at idealwine.com. That's I-D-E-A-L-W-I-N-E.com and have the wine shipped to you in the States. Use the promo code FIRST, F-I-R-S-T, for $15 off your first order of $150 or more. Hey, that's $15 you could save, and that is some good butter money. See for yourself at Ideal Wine. I'm Levy Dalton, and this is All Drink to That, where we get behind the scenes of the wine business. Klaus Peter Keller of the Keller Estate in the Rhein-Hessen joins us today to talk about his career making exceptional wines in the Rhein-Hessen. Hello, sir. How are you? Uh, thanks. Fine. We are here in New York since Wednesday and enjoy it a lot. Great. Great to have you. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Keller, the estate, and how you got involved. You started there uh, from your father in 99. Is that true? Uh, yes, uh, in 99 I finished my studies in Geisenheim and since 2001 I'm responsible for the winemaking at the estate now in the ninth generation. And it's uh, somewhat of a change a little bit because you have moved more towards uh, trocken or dry wines uh, than your father may have done in the past? Yes, I, I, I actually love both. So my mother comes from the Mosul, so also... The idea of, of off-dry and sweet wine is in my veins, but uh, we have rocky limestone uh, soils and we can produce both. So I, I focused a little bit more on the dry and off-dry style, but uh, if, if nature offers us a chance, I also love to make uh, nice fruity cabinets, spätlese and noble sweet wines. And let's talk about where you are, because you're not actually by the river. Uh, you're a little bit more in. Uh, where are you with your vineyards? Uh, we, we are uh, 45 minutes from Frankfurt, south from Frankfurt, between Mainz and Alzey. And um, yeah, the big gift of our region is the limestone rock. It's it's called our our uh, our region the Rheinhessisches Hügelland. So it's really hilly. It's uh, it's lying uh, higher. So we get late uh, ripeness, have very long vegetation periods, which is very important for the style of wine I like. I really love racy wines with, with acidity, with precision. I'm, I'm not a fan of, of, of monster alcohol wines. I really want the, 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 the very pure, precise uh, wines with, with a lot of definition. And one of the things that was... Um Pretty interesting is that your dad had gone about searching out old monastery records of where historical vineyards had been in that area. Yes, we we have done a lot of uh, research, uh, looked what what have been there uh, often five six hundred years ago, and uh, by doing this, we for 
for example, recognized uh, or, or discovered or rediscovered our plot Abzerde, uh, which means, uh, yeah, translated like Abbot's Earth, uh, an excellent parcel which uh, 500 years ago um, delivered the wines for the bishops of Worms. But um, yeah, then nobody... Um, Yeah, no, nobody cared for it, and uh, we 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 have seen the, the name of the parcel and the history of the parcel uh, in in old writings, and uh, started to make wine there again. In uh, bought it in '96, started to really make wine there, serious wine there again in 2006, and uh, I would say today it belongs to our very very best parcels, and we are extremely happy to have it because it's it's such it's nearly on, only rhinestone rock uh, all 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 work done there is 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 uh, really you are you are working with the rocks and that's that's a great uh, great wine in style so full of precision full of energy full of electricity you can really feel the limestone uh, and that's what i like a lot And, you know, limestone is what your area shares with, say, Burgundy. Uh, yes. So you you chose to not just make uh, product cut wines of a little fruity or sweet off dry wines, but you uh, moved in a direction of, of dry wines as well uh, for white. Uh, you do make some, some Pinot Noir. I wonder uh, if you could run us through the different vineyards you have um, because they, um, you know, They are fairly recent purchases. They're historically uh, famous from centuries ago, but they haven't been well known in in our last two centuries. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about the vineyards that you're making white wine from. We we have all in all, perhaps to to say some words about the varieties in our estate. We have around eighty percent riesling, so riesling is by far the most important uh, variety uh, we grow. Um, It's partly my my wife's guilt uh, that we have uh, also varieties like Scheurebe and Rislana as she apprenticed at the Müller Katwa estate in the Falls. Sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, she has a virus of Scheurebe and Rislana, and me, I, I like those wines as well. And therefore, we have a little bit of old old Scheurebe vineyards, Rislana vineyards, uh, and uh, a little bit of Pinot Noir in our two uh, in our two sites, Frauenberg and Bürgel. Frauenberg is a limestone rock soil lying very high and ripening very late. Uh, Bürgel is a muscle shock soil, uh, which also produces very fine and elegant Pinot Noir. Um, yeah, and set since I apprenticed 93 in, uh, in Burgundy at uh, Amoruseo so and Hubert uh, Lignier is, is one of, of our big passion as well. But you originally asked for the, for the white wine. Uh, soils in the in the Hügelland. We have uh, Westhofener Kirschspiel. Kirschspiel is a limestone rock soil with a high iron content and an eastern facing vineyard which brings a lot of finesse and elegance. Uh, Kirschspiel is very, very fine and, and late ripening. Uh, then we have in Westhofen Moorstein. Moorstein is a very uh, Also very late ripening, more wind open, so you you get ripeness really often for the riesling in in November. It's a heavy clay soil on on pure limestone rock, so it's it's a little bit more yes solid wine with with deep minerality, less finesse, more really so very focused, very very mineral. And between Moorstein and Kirschspiel, we have Sabzer, the Abbotsers. 
which combines a little bit the quality of, of, of those two uh, vignettes, Kirschspiel and, and Moorstein. Abzerde is also ripening very, very uh, late and uh, in normal vintages we harvest in, in November. It has very high iron uh, very very uh, high uh, stone stone content in the soil so you get very loose clusters so the berries in the abzerde do not touch each other so it's uh, hard to get botrytis there uh, in in many years you you nearly only have very small uh, healthy grapes and uh, it has a, a beautiful a beautiful minerality and uh, it it really dances over your tongue abzerde is 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 pure finesse and uh, you can make great dry wines as well as great sweet wines in the abzerde that's a big advantage yeah this was the was the vineyards in westhofen then in dalsheim since uh, since 1789 uh, we have uh, the hubacker Hupaga is really the, the first parcel our uh, our ancestor Johann Lehonard Keller uh, bought when he came to Dalsheim. Uh, Hupaga is a is a four hectare uh, parcel of of yellow limestone rock, um, around 40-50 centimeters uh, clay on the topsoils and yellow limestone rock. Uh, and Hupaga brings a, a, a very nice. Uh, uh, yeah, a little bit exotic flavor of passion fruit, white vineyard peach combined with a with a deep mineral uh, element to the wines, and also very good uh, vineyard for sweet wines. And then uh, two years ago, uh, we started uh, uh, with two small vineyards in Nierstein, which originally belonged to the Franz Karl Schmidt Winery. Franz Karl Schmidt was very well known, also here in the in the United States, but not in the last years. It was rather the last the last century. Uh, century. They they started to to export a lot. They they had really a, yeah they had a huge size. One can compare it perhaps a little bit uh, with with I would say with, with Robert Weil. What is today Robert Weil has been hundred years ago the Franz Karl Schmidt Winery. They owned around hundred hectares at the Rhine. They they exported very early. They um, they had all the best sites. They had Pettenthal in Nierstein. They had Oelberg. They had Hipping. And uh, this winery, founded in the 15th century, now um, has been sold. And we have been offered 11 hectares from them. Oh, wow. But uh, 11 hectares is far too much for us because we are really a small fam uh, family winery. And we do not want to change uh, this because I, I love to be a winemaker who is uh, in the vineyards uh, himself. And so we uh, we only bought two very small pieces, Pettenthal, which is a little bit less than 0 0.3 hectare, and Hipping, which is around a half an hectare. And uh, so we can really do all the works for ourselves. And we are very, very happy with this two uh, uh, plots because uh, they have red slate soil, which is very different to the soil uh, in the Rheinhessische Hügelland. And uh, yeah, it's very interesting for us to, to work there. And what about some of the Rieslings you make that are not Grosskavaks, like the Vanderfels or at the other end of the spectrum, the G-Max? What are those about? How are those produced? In in the end, our estate has around uh, 18 hectares, and from this 18 hectares, nearly 15 hectares are classified Grand Cru. So, and as I told you, we we do not want to grow. If we get a very good parcel offered, 
we try to give uh, give a, a mediocre parcel uh, away. That's philosophy. But but now it's really hard because all the parcels are are very very good and. Yeah, hence you can imagine that even the basic Riesling or the Riesling von der Fels uh, is made from very, very good soil, but uh, a little bit younger wines. The von der Fels, uh, um, especially, it's a, it's a wine from pure limestone rock soils. It's a Grand Cru, but uh, we take uh, normally the vineyards that are yeah, less than 25 or 30 years. It can also be that a 50, 60-year-old Große Gewächsparcel comes in the Fondefels, but normally it's that the Fondefels is made from the little bit younger wines and the Grand Crus uh, are made from the older wines. And what about G-Max? Uh, how did that production come about? Yeah, Gmax is um, nothing about maximum, or some some might think uh, the name uh, sounds a little bit like like maximizing uh, something. Uh, we all in the family, uh, yeah, we we love finesse. So I drink champagne, Burgundy, and Riesling. So that's that's our direction. So the. Uh, our aim is, is uh, never to make uh, an extremely concentrated wine, an extremely heavy wine. Uh, G-Max, uh, the G stands for, for Georg Keller, which uh, my great-grandfather, which did a lot for the estate, and our son Maximilian, which has been born in 2000. And uh, our top Pinot has been called Bürgel Felix, so it's dedicated to our oldest son. And we also... Uh, wanted to make a wine for our youngest son. And we, we had this beautiful parcel with very, very old Riesling wines. Uh, uh, sorry, I can't tell you where it comes from uh, because... Um, you had an incident with a, like a Japanese tourist or something like that? Yeah, so, so the problem is really in the in the meantime when you when you visit Flersheim Dalsheim during the during the harvest time, it's um, quite quite a bit of uh, tourism, and people are sometimes also a little bit too enthusiastic, and they they don't only t taste the grapes, but they cut the grapes. And uh, if we would tell them where the Chimax parcel is, I think we we wouldn't have. Uh, grapes to harvest ourselves and so i have to protect it a little bit but i i can uh, assure you that it's a really very very gifted parcel a great great limestone rock parcel with very old riesling wines with just uh, um yeah sh shows beautifully what, what we want to express with riesling so the the deep minerality of the limestone in combination with the, with a beautiful acidity uh, which which just makes the wine you want to drink it and not only a glass but a bottle so let's talk a little bit about the winery under your father uh and then the subsequent changes that you made what moved you in the direction to do the kind of wines that you're doing as opposed to what he did and what are the differences yeah in, in the end all everything wouldn't uh, been possible when my parents uh, would not have started uh, 40 years ago uh, with really investing in in quality my mother comes from the mosul she she has worked um in a do you do you say in a in a in a in a plant nursery? Oh, okay. So, sure. so in a in a she she was selecting together with Eberhard von Kuno in the Oberemmler Hütte and in the Schatzhofberg. So they they marked the best Riesling uh, wines, which has really loose clusters, were low uh, low in yield and. Uh, 
yeah, when my when my wife, uh, when my when my mother came to Flörsheim Dalsheim, she convinced my father that she has to plant her clones from the Mosel or her Selection Marsal uh, from the Mosel, and uh, they 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 had much lower yield. They had a completely different uh, expression as well. So it the quality of our wines improved uh, improved a lot by. Uh, by the ideas my 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 parents had um then they 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 ran a higher risk in in harvesting later in in um yeah in reducing yields and had a very good uh philosophy they they had had a a wide a wide uh, a range uh, of of different varieties in those times we we also planted huxel and Ziegerrebe and Bachos and Kerne, which were also really good wines but i uh, or my wife and me we wanted to focus a little bit more on the riesling because our our big love is riesling and i think it's also the variety that expresses our soils best and uh, so we we really concentrated uh, on the riesling um but we'll ever have those small plots of scheurebe rieslane and some other varieties because uh, only riesling for me so from time to time i really enjoy to have another variety as well and <clears throat> so you you were there and it's said that your dad uh drilled multiple holes into the vineyard to find the soil type is that true like thousands and thousands of small holes to do soil analysis this was in 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 collaboration together with the with the geologisches landesamt in mainz who made more than 70000 holes uh, yeah in the vineyards of westhofen and flörsheim dalsheim with a big advantage that we really now uh, exactly in 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 each parcel uh, how homogene it is from the soil, where the limestone rock really is, where it is not. And uh, that's very important uh, uh, later in harvest for the picking. We, we really know exactly which parcels we pick in, 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 which, in which kind to, to, get, uh, to get the best possible quality. And what was, the, uh, what was the impetus for your dad to start searching through the old monastery records for the uncovering of the historical vineyards what, how did that come about i would say it was a little bit a common idea of my dad and me because i learned in uh, in in burgundy i apprenticed in burgundy and um, everything the whole classification in 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 burgundy uh, in the end, um, lots of it has been made uh, by by monasteries, by monks, and uh, so when I came back, we tried together to find old writings uh, from 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 the midi medieval or sure yeah, medieval period, sure. We which uh, which also could could give us important information on on how this has been uh, five hundred years ago. Uh, our our region or our part of Rheinhessen has been very well known 500 years ago when we had this warmer period in in uh, in Europe and then when it turned colder again uh, the vineyards uh, had problems because it it didn't uh, we, we it was not uh, easy to get full maturity or perfect maturity for our for our grapes so the much more uh, well known or better known. Uh, vineyards in the Rheinhessen in the last hundred years were close to the Rhine. They have been in Nierstein because uh, um, ripeness came earlier or 
even, even in, 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 in Worms, in the Liebfrauenstift Kirchenstück, uh, it's, it's uh, a vineyard very close to the city and ripeness came there earlier and so the, the, the grapes could reach full maturity and uh, the, re, uh, the grapes in our region, it was just a little bit too cool uh and uh, with with if you don't have the ripeness you can't make really good wine and you think that global warming has maybe affected that a little bit so that your region's a little warmer now yes although we we are we are really winners of this um effect we we really realize that uh, there is a climatic change and we we profit at the moment from this climatic change at the same time uh, time now having uh, also two small vineyards in nierstein we realize that nierstein which once uh, profit uh, because it was a little bit cooler. It's it's really hard, and you have to make a lot of um, efforts in the vineyard with new ideas in the canopy management to delay ripeness uh, a little bit in in those uh, vineyards. So let's talk a little bit about uh, vine handling and what you're doing in the, those different vineyards because uh, you selectively repaint uh, from your own vine material. Is that true, Messel? Yeah, and then you. Um, have certain uh, setups in your vineyards where you protect against uh, cold temperatures through layering the vines with different kind of like, uh, uh, you know, you bring stuff in to put at the base of the vines. Is that true? I, I don't know much about it. Yeah, um, I I think because our our idea is, is really to to have the finesse and elegance uh, and elegance at a at a more moderate alcohol level. So, uh, for for instance, so in 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 Nierstein we reduced the height of the canopy. When I studied in Geisenheim, they told us. It's absolutely necessary to 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 reach perfect maturity for a grape or for a riesling grape to have seven to eight leaves per bunch. Uh, what we do at the moment in Nierstein is reducing the the grape leaf ratio uh, ratio to five to six leaves uh, per bunch, and by 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 this we we. Uh, we manage really to to delay the ripening process. Um, this year, all vineyards in Nierstein have been have been harvested in November. Uh, we really feared a little bit that the canopy could be yeah, nearly not enough leaves for the grapes uh, uh, we had. But in the end, um, yeah, it was 2012 will be a, a super a super vintage and exactly exactly uh, our taste. But it is very important if you if you um, um, try to to um, take leaves away that you only take them away from the shadow side, never from the south side, because if a grape is is directly hidden by sun, it 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 loses its, its tension, it 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 gets too warm and uh, loses precision. It's it's traditionally a very very famous uh, region also for for dry wines, for example. Um, yeah, for for the uh, queen's uh, Queen Elizabeth II's coronation uh, in 1953, they poured the wine from Nierstein from the Hipping parcel that we now owned. And um, so historically seen, it's uh, it's for both for dry and for for wines with residual sugar. Um, a very very gifted place, and um, yeah, we we try to do our best there. And how did you find yourself an earlier uh, time? How did you find yourself looking to Burgundy and going there and arranging to work there as opposed to somewhere else? 
uh, in, in, in school, we learned a lot of different languages. We started with, with English and then we had French and then Italian and then Russian. So really had a, had a, yeah, a lot, lot has been offered to us. And I was also uh, always fascinated by, by the French language and the French culture because we, we always had the impression that France, that they know how to, to, uh, um, how to enjoy really life, how, how to cook, how to eat, how to, how to drink with it. And this combination interested me a lot. I, I didn't know at this time so much about uh, about Burgundy, but uh, the, the the chance offered, um, and I came to to Geoffrey Jambata. It it wasn't uh, it wasn't directly at Amoroso. It started at Domaine de Varoual, which in those times uh, had been in hands of of um, Swiss guys. Uh, Which, which whom we worked, and so I came to 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 Geoffrey Jean Bertin, and um, I think when you when you work uh, when you work uh, for 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 a year in in Burgundy, you you are so im im yeah im impressed by 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 the very old wines, the beautiful sights, how they think about wine. So the, the nicest experience, uh, perhaps of all, was in the evenings labeled together with with Charles Rousseau. So um, he had an, he had a hand label machine and labeled hand uh, bottle bottle per bottle, and we we could discuss about wine. We could uh, we could yeah talk about life about everything and this. Uh, I think in, in those days, really, so the, the Pinot Noir virus uh, has been infused uh, to my to my veins. And um, uh, if you if you once experienced it, uh, uh, this, it's it's not only it's not only for for red wine making. It's also you are looking in fu in future times for for finesse, elegance, and precision in wines. And um, I think that really comes from the time in Burgundy. And you worked at Linier while Roman was still alive. What were your memories of him? Super, super great guy. So he apprenticed in Nierstein, by the way. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Roman Linier, he, he, uh, he uh, apprenticed at the Wehrheim estate in Nierstein. And so, so, we, found, so we found together and, uh, and made some, uh, a lot of things together. And um, yeah, I th think he was one of the... the Best best winemakers of the young generation, and uh, I still try when my wife and me when we find a bottle anywhere of of, of uh, Roma from the late 90s. So uh, it's uh, always uh, we, we we remember him, and and really um, it's always very emotional to to drink such a bottle. He was a, a great great guy, very very nice. And when you have progressed in your own career. Uh, What is it that might happen after this Nierstein uh, edition of parcels? What I know that you said you'd like to keep the, the the estate small and all of its holdings so you can work it yourself, but it seems like you have continually charted a path of change and evolution. What, what might we see in the future, whether it's with the holdings you already have or with different holdings? Yeah, I, at, at the moment, I would say we really have what we what we want to have but um, there are always some vignettes uh, that that interest me a lot so as a as, as student in geisenheim for three years we could rent a parcel of uh, of graf grönestein in the rüdesheimer berg 
we just poured a bottle yesterday evening at the at the Riesling fire uh, here in New York, and it's just incredible how f 15 years after harvest, how 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 fresh and and alive, and at the very beginning of its life, those wines uh, uh, really are. So I'm. I'm always, uh, I've always been a very big fan of of the Rheingau Riesling. I think if if today someone would offer me a very nice piece of the Rauenthaler Biken or in the Rüdesheimer Berg, I would not say no to it. And uh, <clears throat> do you find an increasing popularity for Trocken Riesling inside of Germany? Yes, absolutely. A, a lot has changed in the in the last uh, 15 years. So my My father had really to look for customers, and uh, in in the meantime, um, it's it's the case that we we don't have wine enough, so we we really have to to allocate it. And uh, what is very important, or what is very important for uh, for us, uh, because we invest a lot of love and in, uh, a lot of hard blood in the in 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 our wines, and that's also the reason why we really want to be in the vineyard. I'm not traveling. A lot, really, ninety percent of the time, we are we are at home and in in the vineyards because we think it's so important to to yeah to to have this connection between vineyard uh, and cellar. Uh, uh, we want also to know who who is drinking our wines. So at the moment, we are very carefully exporting to China or exporting to countries which only want the labels because they, they know the labels. We really prefer a little bit more mature markets. And uh, I can only say what happened here in New York is incredible in the last 10 years. So it's it's really uh, a lot of fans who understand a lot about Riesling, who who love who love uh, not only dry Riesling, but just just Riesling, try to understand it because Riesling... Uh, Uh, shows its 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 terroir so beautifully. It shows its differences between the region, between the soils, and it can be such a fascinating, fa such a fascinating variety. Uh, and it's it's yeah, it's not always easy to understand because uh, uh, with 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 our predicate system, with dry and sweet, with the many different vineyards, uh, we we haven't we haven't yeah nearly a Burgundian system with very small parcels, but then not only but also the sweet categories, which uh, makes it for for uh, people who are new to the to the wine topic not always easy to uh, to find the, the right entrance. But uh, once you 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 you've understood what riesling is about, I think it's very hard to uh, yeah to stop um, caring for it and, and 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 drinking it. And yeah, that's beautiful. We had we had a very nice. Um, Guy, for example, last last autumn, yeah, I think it was a big surprise for him that the cellar master is also working in the vineyards. So he he told me in in uh, California only the Mexicans are working in the vineyards, and I I answered him, yeah, here in Germany we are all Mexicans. Uh, we we uh, I I just think it's it's extremely important that uh, that uh, the the winemaker also knows about all the work in the vineyard about the problems about the good things uh, where has it been extremely wet where was it dry where have we had problems where was everything perfect so it's it's just uh, uh, you you must know your grapes very very well to make good wine 
And at the consumer level, how would you recommend someone approach a bottle of Keller and its different iterations? When should they be drinking the wines and what should they be drinking them with? What is always very important for me is that even the basic qualities, which also have a basic price, are really, really good and represent the idea of the winery. So I would really uh, recommend to start with a basic uh, Riesling, for example, uh, which which is drunk best within the first five years, I would say, but you can also hold it for, for 10, 12, 15 years. That's not a problem, but I think uh, for, for a beginner, it's a little bit easier to taste the Riesling when, when it has a little bit uh, more fruit, perhaps a little bit more... Um, more juiciness, and the longer you will keep and hold it, uh, the more um, yeah definition it will gain. The more it will will go on the on the on the mineral side, on the on it will gain on focus and and precision. But um, I would say start with a nice uh, bottle of of uh, Keller Riesling trocken. Look if you like it, and then take the next step. Uh, taste a bottle of Riesling von der Fels. Uh, that's really a bottle you can open some hours before drinking to 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 give it a little bit a little bit air i'm not a big fan of of decanting riesling i really prefer to just uh take the take the cork out of the bottle to to cool it a little bit and let it breathe for a few hours very similar with burgundy so i'm also not a not a fan of decanting burgundy because i think a, a lot of those subtle fine flavors uh, you you lose them when you when you decant the wine And uh, yeah, and with this, this experience of, of Fondefels and Riesling Trocken, uh, you 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 can try to have a großes Gewächs as, uh, as well. For for the großes Gewächs, I would really say, let them as if if possible, let them let them four or five years in the cellar, uh, because it it makes much more fun and you have a much more precise and and deeper impression of the different soils when they uh, have a little bit of of bottle age um, i i myself am a am a very very big riesling fan we we spend a lot of time uh, man, uh, time and money for for riesling from from uh, friend producers and what we do is tasting one two bottles when they arrive and then we try to forget a little bit about them and then so four five six seven years later so we start to drink the große gewächswines and uh, what do you usually like to To drink with your own wines because a lot of times with the off dry wines of germany people in this country say oh you should you should have spicy asian food uh, but your wines are often not uh off dry they're truck and what would you eat with that yeah first perhaps one word to the to the off dry wines uh yesterday evening we had a, a beautiful uh 81 uh, jj prim cabinet uh Just, uh, just uh, to the, at the start of the evening, you often think you have to start or begin the evening with a glass of champagne. For me, that's often too much. When when your stomach is still empty and you start with with champagne and the gas in it, so you you directly start to feel it. So for me, an off dry wine or a slightly sweet wine is a beautiful way especially in summer when the temperatures are higher, uh, to, to start an evening with only seven or eight degrees of alcohol. And then you can, you can continue uh, with first course, second course, really to, to combine what, whatever you want. But this off-dry style is for me a beautiful, a beautiful start. 
And then with a with a dry Riesling, you have a very wide range of different uh, dishes you can combine. It's beautiful with seafood. So a little bit higher higher acidity vintages like like 2010, 2008, uh, 04, 02. It's beautiful with all kinds uh, of 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 seafood, uh, but but also with meat, with with noodles. You you can have a very wide range of of foods that can be combined with Riesling because we don't. We don't uh, have an elevage in in the in the new oak barrel. Our our uh, rieslings are made in in very old oak barrels. Uh, Fairly for, big or a little smaller. Or? Uh, it it depends. It starts with thousand liter, goes till two thousand four hundred liter, or then uh, stainless stainless steel uh, as well. And uh, yeah, this this really gives you the possibility to to uh, to taste those wines. Uh, yeah you 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 often uh, don't don't have a, a, a period where where a young where a riesling doesn't taste at all when you taste white wine from burgundy for example it's it's for my palate hard to to taste it's the first 2 3 years because there is the influence of the new oak uh, that disturbs me a little bit i'm not a fan of new oak at all because i think that's that's a make up a really good wine from from great soils and and a gifted winemaker does does not need okay if the wine has a new oak then you really have to wait and then you have the period where the wine is really good and then it's more closed that's a big advantage of of riesling normally you can pop the cork and the wine uh, has a has a pure fruit uh, super expression of its soil whether it's slate or quartzite or limestone or, or buntsandstein whatever um, that's for me the, the big advantage that you can really you 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 it's nearly always the perfect time and you can have this very wide range of different foods that that fits to riesling and what how do you feel about your own uh critical reception because in the last 10 or so years uh you've skyrocketed in terms of fame uh at least in this country for your wines uh how has that felt to be in the driver's seat of that increase increased recognition good uh, for us the, the most important thing is that we make wine that we like for ourselves and we always say we make the wines uh, 100% as we want to drink it. And uh, when we find people who share our passion and who like our wines, we are, we are very, very happy and we are, we are proud uh, for it. When, when we started uh, 10 years ago, my wife and me in the winery, we would have never thought that everything develops uh, like this. In the beginning, it was really a a hard fight and also sometimes discussions in the evening on the kitchen uh, at the kitchen table uh, how how can we afford this and that and will this be possible and will this be the, the right thing to do and um, that now only 10 15 years later everything is is such an has become such an incredible uh, success is is beautiful, but uh, for us, it's uh, it's motivation to to continue going our way and, uh, if possible, to to improve the wines in future. Are there other wineries in Germany that you find inspiring at this time? Yes, many. So it's uh, it's really a, a big movement in Germany uh, at the moment. Uh, I I like, uh, for example, a, a lot the Nahr region. If you if you can get hold of a, of a nice bottle of uh, 
Tim Fröhlich, for example, from the Schäfer Fröhlich estate, but also um, Schlossgutil is developing very well, Emre Schönleber, okay, Dönhoff is already a little bit better known, then the Mosel, my, my, my uh, two favorite uh, wineries from the Mosel are, are perhaps Willy Schäfer and J.J. Prüm, now with a young Julian Hart coming in Peaceport, Andreas Ader makes great wines, Zilliken in the Saar, Maximin Grünhaus in the Ruver Valley is one of my, my favorite uh, estates. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just really a, a real movement in Germany towards quality and uh, that's, that's beautiful. Are there um, any parallels between what you're doing with Riesling and what happens uh, with a lot of producers in terms of Riesling style in Austria? It it depends. So the the Austrian Riesling style is often a little bit more Botrytis uh, um, influenced. I'm not the the biggest fan of Botrytis uh, and dry Riesling because for me it gives it gives an, an richness is, uh, which is a little bit too too much for 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 my palate. So I prefer uh, dry Riesling from 100% healthy grapes and with a with a maximum of alcohol, perhaps between 12 and 13 degrees. Um, but that's more like a personal preference. In Wachau, my, my wife, for example, apprenticed together uh, with Lukas Pischler from the FX Pischler estate uh, in, in Leuben. And uh, they just prefer to, 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 to use a little bit more botrytis grapes for, for, for their wines and then often exceeds a certain degrees of alcohol. Um, but I, I think that's not... Uh, that's not quality-wise better or not so good. It's just a, a different style, and the consumer can decide what he prefers or can drink both, and that's that's just great. I what I would say is that uh, um, Austria started earlier than 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 the Germans really to to invest in quality. They 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 really. Uh, um, in, I would say in the in the mid eighties, uh, wineries like like Knoll, like Hirzberger, like like Nikolaihof, even even before like Pischler, they 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 really invested a lot in in in, in good in in good quality wines. Were traveling the world a lot and uh, brought those wines to to really early fame and. Uh, um, perhaps that's also a thing we we now profit from it because Tri Riesling, Tri Weltliner is is very well known uh, in the world, and people are sometimes looking also a little bit for for alternatives because they say, okay, that's that's great wine, but perhaps a little bit too powerful, a little bit too intense. Uh, let's let's look a little bit in Germany, for example. They also have Riesling, and uh, in Germany it, it's it's very soil driven. It's made from hundred percent healthy. So you have this focus, um, yeah, and you want to drink the next bottle, and that's always for me the yeah the best sign for a good wine. We 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 don't have to to talk about aromas for half an hour, about structure, about this and that. The best sign for a good wine is always when the bottle is empty. And you mentioned that you uh, do make Rieslander and Schwereba, partly because of the influence of your wife's taste and her history at Merlot Courtois. Uh, what is your take on those grape varieties as grape varieties and, and how do you handle them? 
Yeah, we we um, have one very uh, old Scheurebe vineyard in in Westhofen, who is now nearly 50, 50 years old, and we make an, an absolute bone dry Scheurebe, which less than one gram residual sugar, which really uh, really has this, this beautiful cassis flavors of the soy, but in combination with <laughs> with a deep limestone uh, minerality influence, which just wants wants you to 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 drink it to enjoy it uh, and uh, in vintages where we have a little bit of botrytis we also try to make to make sweet scheurebe wines in the in the auslese and uh, and above level the good uh, thing is that scheurebe can be magnificent dry of dry and sweet for rislana i would say it's a it's a little bit difficult our uh, rislana Uh, vineyard is also now nearly 50 years old. Uh, it's not on limestone rock, but it's, um, I can't, I don't know the, the English expression, but it's called a Schwemmland, uh, Boden. It's, uh, it's, it was, it has been in former times near, near a small river. And that's the soil that has been transported by the, by the, by the river. It's a, it's a red soil, rather iron containing. And for me, uh, Rieslana uh, shows really its strong sides, uh, uh, in the Spätlese and above category. So Rieslana is really a, a variety that needs a little bit of sugar to, to bring this uh, exotic flavors of passion fruit, of mango, um, a, a, a little bit better in the, in the glass and, uh, Yeah, normally we 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 uh, every year have a nice spätlese, but if botrytis uh, appears, we are also very open to make auslese or, or trockenbeerauslese. And what about Pinot Noir? How's your approach with Pinot perhaps changed over the last couple of years? Uh, yeah, when uh, I, I would say when when uh, we started with uh, serious Pinot Noir in. In '97, my uh, my thought was perhaps a little bit to use too much new oak. That's what I would say now, uh, 15 years, 15 years after. So over the time, we uh, we we um, used less new oak. Now to the extent that we nearly don't use any new oak anymore, because I think when you have old wines, when you have interesting soils, when you have the The good genetic material, good uh, masal selections. Uh, the most important thing is is really to to get the 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 fruit the fruit of the of the grapes, the expression of the soil in the bottle, and not and not the barrels. And uh, yeah, we invest we invested a lot of 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 time in finding the best barrels. We, we we were very lucky that the winemakers in Burgundy in the meantime also appreciate Riesling. A lot when I when I apprenticed in Burgundy twenty year, nearly twenty years already ago, um, they they nearly didn't know exactly what Riesling was, and you you it was something very very new new to them. And now when we go to Burgundy, our car is loaded with Riesling, and uh, Riesling has become a, a very strong currency exchange currency in in Burgundy and. Um, Yeah, so so we managed, for example, now to get for our Riesling the the once used barrels of Romane Conti, and that's oh, wow. just that's just a, a beautiful oak, which doesn't uh, push the Pinot Noir in one direction, but just uh, 
yeah it's you have the soil you have the fruit of the pino and and not the makeup influence of of uh, of of uh, any kind of of uh, of wood and that's what i really like a lot do you feel that the reception to german spätburgunder or pinot noir has lagged behind the reception to german riesling in export markets like the united states <laughs> I think perhaps it has been so, but it also changes. So uh, also the demand for for Pinot Noir uh, is much bigger than what we can produce, uh, and also the demand from the export markets has 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 risen enormously. I, I think it's 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 a very similar idea for me. A Pinot Noir is a red riesling. It shall reflect its soil. It shall not be too intense it, in, in color. It shall be dancing over the tongue with a nice acidity kick in the end, which, want, uh, which uh, makes you to want the next, uh, the next class. I'm, I'm not so the, the deep color, heavy aroma, plums and, and figs. And so I rather love so the, the red berry fruit of the, of the Pinot. We don't harvest too, uh, too late. Uh, I... I, I uh, I try to be so between 12 and 13 degrees of alcohol, really to have this this pure, very fine uh, um, character of, of of Pinot in it. And my my aim is really to to produce a, a red riesling with Pinot Noir, and that's that's also my preference in Burgundy. So I I love estates like like Rousseau, like Meunier, like Robert Chevillon, like Meunier Regibour, which really want to show shows the finesse and elegance. It does not mean that those estates are better than others, but it's a very different style if you compare them to estates like Dugapi or Clutica or Leroy. Um, yeah, it's, it's again, my personal preference, and um, we will see. Klaus-Peter Keller, thank you so much for coming to share with us your views on your wines. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap are available for sale if you check the show website all drink to that pod.com. That's I L L drink to that pod.com, which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the crucially important donations that help keep this show operating. You can donate from anywhere using PayPal or Stripe on the show website. Remember to hit subscribe or to follow this show in your favorite podcast app, please. That's super important to see every episode. And thank you for listening. I wanted to take a moment to thank Mr. John Gilman and his View from the Cellar newsletter, which helped me a great deal in preparing for this particular interview with Klaus-Peter Keller and the Wines of Keller. Uh, a really informative piece, which if you get the chance, you should check out for yourself. Again, that's John Gilman at A View from the Cellar.